four years, Ford's F-Series of trucks has appealed to U.S. consumers, remaining in the top-selling truck for 44 consecutive years. Recently, Ford announced their truck line is evolving into the electric vehicle space with the reveal of the new Ford Lightning, a fully electric, full-size pickup. Today, we're going to take a look at the new Ford Lightning and dissect the mechanical performance, features, and design, and see how it stacks up against the current trucks on the market. Welcome to Sketch and Wrench, where we discuss all things automotive. This is the only podcast featuring a brother and sister, master mechanic, and professional car designer. My name is Jen, and I'm a professional car designer. With six years of experience working in Detroit, uh, designing some concept cars and production vehicles that you've seen on the road today. And uh, I'm the brother, I'm Rob, I'm an ASC Master Technician with a long list of certifications. I have uh, 28 years of experience working on all makes and models of vehicles. I'm also a Dodge Diesel Certified Technician and a former Kia Master Technician. Uh, I also have some experience in paint and body. I am also the uh, owner and operator of HKC Automotive. So together we discuss all things automotive from our very different viewpoints on the industry. And quick disclaimer before we get started, all views and opinions expressed are our personal views and not representative of any of the companies that we are associated with. If you like what you hear, please like and follow us. Um, we'd like to build a great community as we start to get this podcast off the ground. So with that, uh, today we are going to start off with a little bit of automotive news. So talk about what's new and what's going on in the industry before we jump into talking about the Ford Lightning. So in automotive news today, we're gonna to talk about the semiconductor chip shortage um, and how it is driving up the used car market. So basically the, the semiconductor chips that are coming out of mostly China are on shortage right now. A lot of them are going to computer companies, um, electronics manufacturers, gaming companies. And so it's really putting a squeeze on the market. Um, the car companies are having a really hard time getting enough in the door to fulfill their orders. So it's really slowing down, putting a pinch in the uh, manufacturing. So right now, what that's doing is it's actually driving up the used car market because there are not as many new cars available as you know people would like to buy. So this was a unforeseen uh, you know, repercussion of COVID that there's some supply chain issues going on. So yeah, um, the used car market, if you are selling a used car, now's the time to do it because the prices are gonna be really, really going through the roof. <laughs> yeah, the prices on used cars have definitely gone up Yeah. over this past year. So if you do have a used car to sell, now's the time to sell it, I think. And, and I know from my experience that even some of my used car lots that I do work for are complaining because they're having trouble finding quality used cars that aren't super overpriced right now. Oh, really? Oh, so even they're getting a hard time. They're having a in. really hard time finding decent cars to buy and sell. Huh. So, yeah, it says here, the uh, according to CNBC, the average transaction price for a used car was $25,000 in the second quarter of 2021 and that's up 21 percent from the year before so used car prices are up about 20 25 percent from the year before so it's quite a big jump in one year and that uh that's just like i was saying you know all the used car lots that i do work for are all saying the same thing you know they buy a lot of their cars at the auctions and 
they're saying you know the auction prices are through the roof right now they can't even buy cars and be able to turn them around and sell them because they can't make a profit um they're just their cars are scarce and the prices are high yeah well yeah if you're buying a car uh now's you know not the time no. but if you're selling now <laughs> if you're the time. selling it's a seller's market absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so all right let me grab my stuff here for the lightning and we'll get into it all right, so today we're going to talk about the Ford Lightning. Um, so Ford revealed the truck and released the model name F-150 Lightning on May 19th of this year, 2021. And they revealed it outside of the company's headquarters in Dearborn, Michigan. And if anyone has seen the reveal video for that, I have to admit they did a really awesome job on it. Like <laughs> I, w I watched the video yeah. uh, yesterday. It's a really nice production. Yeah, they. Um, if you guys haven't seen the video, I'll link it in the description down below if you're watching on YouTube. Um, they actually put a giant screen, like LED screen, that covered the entire side of the building yep. at the Ford headquarters, and it was like a amazing visual graphic show going it was, on. It I, was very, yeah. very thought out. And considering, you know, this year all the auto shows have been canceled pretty much because of COVID, um, you know, a lot of the companies have had to pivot and think on their feet and come up with new venues and ways to unveil cars. And I think they did a pretty great job considering you know, yeah, I do what too. they had to work with. So if you guys are interested, I'll link that video down below. Um, so Bill Ford introduced the vehicle, noting that it's been 73 years since the first Ford truck rolled off of their assembly line. Uh, the intended production date for the Ford Lightning to go into production is spring of 2022. So a little under a year from now, they're expecting it to start rolling off of the production line. Which, considering the current state of the economy and everything else that's pretty quick so yeah they really stepped up and and got it off the run off the line well i mean especially considering the discussion we just had about the <clears throat> semiconductor chip shortage and everything right. yeah they're i mean all the car companies right now are having a hard time um getting that production ramped up so we'll see if they if they hit that target date you know it might right. end up getting pushed back depending on things so um, if any of you guys have been around for a while, you'll know that uh, the Lightning name has been with Ford for a while now. This isn't a new moniker that they're using. Uh, the Lightning name has been nothing new to Ford as a company. The Ford Motor Company has had three pickup truck models now named F-150 Lightning. So the first one was the Ford SVT Lightning, which is a sports and performance version of the F-150. And this was the ninth generation F-Series platform produced from 1993 to 1995. Uh, the Ford SVT Lightning then came out again. Um, same thing, sports platform version of the F-150, but on the 10th generation of the F-Series chassis. Um, that was released in 1999 and sold until 2004. And then now they're coming out with the Lightning name again, which I think for an electric vehicle, yeah, it's That's a, a perfect name. name. It really <laughs> yeah. is. So, so I mean, I I was probably a bit too young when the original Lightning came out to really remember much of it. But you, you're older, so you remember. I it. do. I do remember the second generation of the Lightnings. The first generation of the Lightnings was the old square body style F-150. Uh, I believe it had the, the 302 V8s in them. Um, they were, for their time, a good car, but then the second generation Lightnings came out. That had the 5.4 modular motor with the supercharger on it, 
and that was a pretty nice performance package they put out on that vehicle. Um, I actually had the pleasure of driving one numerous times when I worked at a dealership, and, and they were pretty nice, yeah. pretty nice put-together package. Pretty so fast for the day. Very fast for the day. They had the 5.4 with the Eaton Supercharger. Oh, they were supercharged, too. Yes, supercharged 5.4, just like, it was basically like the Mustang engine, but they put it in the truck. So oh, okay. it, it got up and went pretty good. It was a nice vehicle. So for them to come out with an, another Lightning and make it electric, you know, they've got quite a bit to step up to, but... You know, we'll go through the performance specs of the vehicle later, but the, the new Lightning really outshines the old Lightnings. Yeah, you um, think? Being an electric vehicle, you wouldn't think so, but this, this new Lightning's got quite a bit of performance in it, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking about performance, um, I think we should get into that, and that's kind of your okay. your domain, your wheelhouse as the mechanic, so go okay. for it. Okay, well, and, let's uh, throw some specs out. Okay. Um, okay, so the new Lightning they came out with... Um, they're claiming a 0 to, 60, 0 to 60 time of four and a half seconds, okay. um, which that time is quicker than their, their leader, which is the Raptor right now. It only has a 0 to 60 to 5.5. So it's, uh, it's a whole second faster than the Quite Raptor trucks. Um, some other performance specs, the, the rated horsepower right now is 563 horsepower combined with both motors. Um, compared to the old F-150s um, or even the new F-150s that had the 5 liter in them, they're only 395 horse. So that's quite a big that's difference. A big jump. <laughs> and it's electric. So, um, well, I, also, you mentioned both motors, right? So that's yeah, something so, a lot of people don't understand is that there's two motors. Yeah, so the new Lightnings actually have two electric motors. One drives the front axle, one drives the back axle. So it's, it's an all-wheel drive system that's always on. So it's, it's constantly in four-wheel drive, uh, which makes it user-friendly, obviously. But the other benefits is you have instant torque, instant power with both motors. So um, that's where they're getting their 563 horsepower from both motors. You've also got 770 foot-pounds of torque, which is a really high amount of torque for an electric car. You know, that's up there in the diesel torque domain. So... That's really good for an F-150. Um, the the F-150s with the 302s, the V8s, only had 400 foot-pounds, and that was at 4,500 RPM. Mm -hmm. With the electric car, you've got instant torque. It doesn't have to wind out. You've got 700 foot-pounds of torque right out of the gate. So mm -hmm. that makes a big difference, especially for towing. And that's something a lot of people, if you're not truck people and you don't really understand torque, right? Um, there is a difference between the torque band on an internal combustion engine and right. an electric engine, and it's it's actually a pretty big difference, right? Well, yeah, because an electric motor is instant torque. As soon as you flip the switch, you've got all your torque at hand. Whereas a gas motor, it has to wind up a little bit and get into its higher RPM range to get its full torque value. So there is a difference. The electric is instant torque. Gas it has to wind out a little bit. Um, and it depends on your applications, you know. It, the the lightning is a, i see it being a good tow vehicle because it's got ratings you know they're saying that this thing can tow 10,000 pounds so that's pretty good for an electric vehicle to have a 10,000 pound tow rating so that's a pretty nice thing and, and the f-150 with the five liter you know it, it's towing capacity is a little bit higher it's 11,100 um 
which is a tiny bit better than the electric, but you've also got other things to consider too. I mean, it has, um, it's torque values up higher in the RPM range. So that's why it's able to pull a little more, but oh, okay. with the electric vehicle, you know, you're pulling 10,000 right out of the hole. So it, there is a difference in towing. So basically with the internal combustion engine, when you're pulling like a big trailer or something, it takes a little while to get it up to speed. Right. Versus the electric, you pretty much can just get you, right you out of the gate. You have all of your torque right out of the gate. So, you know, that's also a little easier on the truck too because it's not having to fight to pull all that weight. Oh, okay. So that helps. Um, another thing I've noticed with the Ford uh, Lightning, um, it does have the fastest acceleration of any of the 150s right now. Uh, it does have that nice all-wheel drive, full-time setup. Um, it's also got a selectable drive mode. You can put it in normal. Um, they've got a sport mode, an off-road mode, and a tow-haul mode. So that helps change things um, for whatever you need. It also has an independent rear suspension, which that's a pretty neat setup considering the truck can hold and tow as much weight as it can without a solid axle on the back. So, so that's as a non-truck driving person, can you explain what the independent suspension means to Okay, that? so yeah. the difference between an independent suspension and a straight axle, in your normal... Uh, you know, four by four or two wheel drive pickup trucks, you have a straight axle in the back, which is basically, you know, wheel on each side and an axle between, you got a, a normal differential with gears in it and a drive shaft that goes to that and runs it. The thing with those is you either got a leaf spring setup or a coil spring setup in the back that's mounted on top of your axle to the body frame. Mm -hmm. So that's what takes all of your uh, bumps and you know holds all your weight is those springs either leaf or or coil with an independent and also the limitations with a straight axle is if you're going over rough terrain or hitting a bump the axle can either go up and down uh, each side together or if it can go to the right or to the left but it can't do separate so if you're going over something that's a real big bump on the left, then the right axle is going to drop, the left's going to go up, that tilts the truck. Mm. Um, it also can cause loss of traction. So the nice thing about an independent rear suspension is typically those are set up with a coil spring set up. Um, so each side has its own separate spring, separate shock, and they move independent of each other, which means like if you would go over that same sort of bump on the left, only the left rear wheel is going to go up to go over that bump. The right's still going to stay planted where it was at. Therefore, you don't lose traction. So it's a better setup for off-roading um, and that kind of thing. It's definitely something that, that's going to remain to be seen how it performs. But uh, it's definitely, I think, a better setup to have the independent, to have the independent rear suspension. Hmm. Um, so... Uh, this also has dual onboard chargers, so and the Lightning is supposed to be able to charge super fast. Um, and then one of the questions I had is, well, how well is this thing going to hold up off-road because of the water, mud, stuff like that? Mm -hmm. um, but they're saying the batteries are inside a waterproof case, and they're surrounded by a crash protection material to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. um, they've also designed it with metal skid plate shields. Uh, underneath the vehicle and the batteries and 
around the motors for tough terrain. So they did think ahead of time and set this thing up. So it, from what they're saying, you can pretty much throw anything at it and it can handle it. So it also has a really neat thing that I like. It has an onboard scale analyzer for your payload. So it will actually tell you how much weight you have in the bed of your truck. That's kind of a cool feature. Yeah, yeah, because that way you don't overload your truck. And also, you know, if you're in a professional uh, commercial setup and you buy this truck, you know, for a commercial like contractor, concrete guy, whatever, uh, sometimes it'd be nice to know how much weight you've got back there, you know, rocks, sand, wood, etc. So you're not overloading your truck. Um, so that's a neat thing to have. Mm -hmm. Um, the really cool thing I think about this too, is they're claiming that this truck is actually a generator and a backup power source for your house. So there is an upgraded battery and trim package that you can get for these lightnings that will allow you to use the same plug that plugs into your house to charge it. If your power goes out, you can run your house supposedly off this truck for up to three days with the upgraded package. I, I feel like that's a pretty big claim. <laughs> I do too. Part. I mean, obviously that's going to remain to be seen whether that's legitimate or not. They're going to have to prove it. But yeah. I can see where this would be a good benefit for especially people that live in like Texas, places like that that have a lot of power outages due oh, to yeah. storms and things. You know, if you've got a, a commercial setup truck like this that can run your house for three days without power, that's a pretty good thing to have. My question would be, well, I guess I have two questions about that. What do they consider an average household power consumption? Well, see, that's right? the thing, too. I'm sure that that three days is based off basic consumption. You yeah. know, a few lights, refrigerator, et cetera. Very minimal and then once, uh, say you are in a major power outage, like a natural disaster, and right. you, once that battery runs out, though, the other thing is you're You can't you're charge stuck. the truck back yeah. up. Yeah, so you have to so, think about that use case, too. Yeah, hopefully yeah. you've got a backup vehicle. But, um, yeah, that, that's something to consider, too, because if you're, if you're in a power outage <coughs> excuse me, situation, <clears throat> it's nice to have the truck to be able to run your house or run your refrigerator so you don't lose, you know, all that money and food and whatnot. But, yes, it's going to vary about... <clears throat> I mean, they say three days, but that's, I'm sure, average. So right. power consumption can vary depending on what you use. So, you know, realistically, what are the numbers going to be? I, I don't know. Three days, I think, is stretching it a bit. I would assume it would at least do a day or two at full load, you know, if you're yeah. running a whole bunch of things. Well, that's also assuming the vehicle is fully charged well that's the other thing you know when the, the power went out right <laughs> has to be fully charged and and also they don't all have this ability you have to get the upgraded battery pack which is a larger battery and you have to get an upgraded trim package which allows uh, it to do this you have to get the top tier i believe truck. you have to get the top tier truck right so you can't just do it with a baseball which i mean that's a benefit for someone who lives in an area that loses power a lot or someone that lives mm -hmm. let's say off the grid out west or something where they don't have access to a lot of power i could see that being a good thing but then yes you have the other issue of if the power's out for more than two three days then the truck's going to go dead now what do you do right so i mean i mean in a pinch it's a great feature to in have. a pinch yeah. yeah if you're just doing like a 24-hour thing it would be great but i could see 
you know, an issue where if the truck goes dead, then what do you do? Because the truck doesn't run, now your now house you is down leave. too. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming most of the people that buy this truck are going to have a backup vehicle anyway, but... Yeah, or like a multi-vehicle household, yeah. But I do think it's a good creature comfort to have that set up. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, it's a good backup. Mm -hmm. So, and also the nice thing about that too is this truck is has the ability to run, which we'll get into this a little later, but it has the ability to run contractor's tools like saws. It can charge drill batteries. You know, it's basically its own workstation. So that's a really nice thing for someone in the construction industry or something, which is, I can see this truck being geared towards that because it's got all the different power sources. So that's a good thing too, but we'll get into that a little later. Um, as far as the, uh, the price of these things. So what they're saying right now is a base trim package model is going to start at $39.9. Um, it's actually a lot less than I expect. Yeah, I thought it would be a lot higher too. Um, however, that is an entry-level truck. So, yeah. It, but. <clears throat> so it's probably like your most basic cloth seats. Probably going to be your basic screen. strip down. Yeah. Yeah. Like any other vehicle, you know, you get the base model, it's a strip down. But. For someone who doesn't want to spend a lot of money and just wants to get an EV, this is a good price point, especially for a pickup. So, now if you want to get the little bit better one, they are offering the XLT, which Ford's has the XLT forever, um, and that'll be your better trim package, I'm sure. Uh, better seats, better you know power locks, power windows, which the base might come with that now too, because most vehicles come standard with all the power accessories at this point. Yeah, nowadays. Right, but the XLT they're saying is going to be right around fifty-five thousand. Um, for that one now the full-blown EV um, and I believe this will have the power generator backup source and all the upgraded trim and the extended battery and all this they're saying that a full-blown fully laid out EV is going to top 90,000 so that's a bit of a high price point but but if you're someone that works out of your vehicle yeah if, if you're someone that has a commercial business and you use your truck every day like a contractor plumber electrician that kind of price is probably pretty feasible considering it's going to save you on not having to have a generator not having to have you know power plugs and all this other stuff that you would normally need on a job site when you can just use your truck mm -hmm. as your generator so i could see that definitely being beneficial to somebody in that industry that basically works out of their truck. So, you know, it's a high price point, but I don't think for someone in the commercial field that would be really that far off. So I, I do see that being a good thing. Um, well, and if you think about if you're a contractor or someone that's working on your truck, that's more than likely going to be part of your business expenses and a tax write-off. Right, right. It's going to be a write-off. Yeah. So, I mean... It really does have some benefits for like a commercial guy, but it's also for the public too. But I think the fully loaded EV is more of a commercial truck because of what it can do. Um, and just to touch base on that real quick, here's some points. There is actually 21 charging points in this truck um, located all around the truck to power uh, power tools, charge up your drill batteries. Uh, it has some USB plugs on it also for phones, electronics, etc., um, And it will deliver up to 9.6 kilowatts out of 1110 volt outlets. So that's pretty good. 
Um, 1110 volt outlets is a 1110 volt outlets. I mean, most cars don't even have one. And and some of these cars that I've seen, you know, in my shop, the newer vehicles, you know, a lot of times they just have one 110 volt outlet somewhere Mm -hmm. on the console as a creature feature, you know, to plug something in, but to have 11 outlets dedicated to actually plugging power tools in and stuff. That's why I said for a commercial contractor, this truck is like perfect. Yeah. Well, granted, if you're using all 11 of those at the same time, your battery's going to Well, yeah, of <laughs> course. I mean, you have to use a little common sense. If yeah. you're going to use 11 outlets at once full power, you're not going to have a battery very long. Yeah, so, I don't think they're meant to all be used at once all no, the time. No, <laughs> but, but it, they're located, uh, there's some in the what they call the frunk, which is where the engine used to be, is now a trunk. So... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those outlets in there, and there's some in the back also. So it's nice because you can plug it in the front of the truck, you can plug it in the back of the trunk. It's got different options. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um, that's pretty much it as far as the specs go. But uh, one other thing it does have, it does have a 12-inch cluster screen mm-hmm. with an optional 15-and-a-half center stack screen um, for the display in the center console. So... I'm believing the 12 is probably going to be your base monitor XLT. The 15 is probably an add-on or well, comes with the EV full line. So. The 12 is your cluster, like, behind your steering wheel. So that's oh, oh, your, oh, oh, right, That's right, your speedometer, right. your tachometer. Well, or, I don't know that you have a tachometer on this. I'm not because, sure if but, they come with that or not. But, um, but well, it's, no, it's you, your, would, you wouldn't have a tach because it's electric motor. So. Yeah. You're just going to have a speedometer. But the 12 inch cluster would be. Would be your your cluster screen where typically all your gauges would be. Right. And then they have an optional 15 and a half center stack. So I don't know what the base model center stack is. I couldn't find. I don't think there's no info on that. I think they've only been showing, obviously, the most premium model is the one that they revealed with all the bells and whistles. So it has the 15 and a half inch screen, which, if you're someone who is familiar with a lot of the interiors coming out of like Tesla, um, Tesla has kind of set that look that the giant center stack the giant iPad screen. Right, right. version screen on the interior. Um, so I, once we start to get into the design here a little bit more, I can take you through how that affects some of the interior features too. Right. And I'm sure that the base model screen is probably not that much smaller. So yeah, I can't imagine it would be. No, yeah. but I am looking at some of the pictures here and there's some other neat things too that I've noticed that this truck is set up for. On the back tailgate, for instance, it has a built-in tape measure mm-hmm. um, on the part of the tailgate towards the outside so you can lay things out. It's also got some neat features. It has holes, like slots, in the top of the tailgate where you can put a clamp mm-hmm. to hold like a 2 by 4 or something onto the tailgate to cut it. Um, obviously, it's got some 110 plugs back there for saws. Mm-hmm. It has an actual cup holder yeah. on the tailgate, and it's got a little slot where you can put your, your wood pencils, and it actually has a slot where you can put your iPad. So Yeah, I mean, on that point, let's start <coughs> talking about some of the design now. I mean, we've gone through the technical specs Yeah, yeah and I'll let you take over the design part. And... Uh, yeah, let's talk about, like, the exterior design. Let's start there, and then we'll go a little bit into the interior and some of those features. I mean, okay. uh, looking at the exterior of the truck, it, it's a classic Ford F-150 truck. Um, a lot of the design language has been carried over, you know, obviously refreshed and done in a fresh new way um, to bring that up to date and push the needle a little bit further than what they have currently had on the market. Um, but a lot of the things um, as a designer that I noticed right off the bat, looking at the front fascia where you typically have your normal grill, 
where all your air inlet is coming in um, to your intake for a right. traditional internal combustion engine, right. you have something that from a distance looks like a grill, but it's but actually it's a closed right. texture. So it, it's a closed surface. There's no airflow going through there, but it's got a really nice, they didn't really nice detail pattern texture on there, which, you know, as a designer, I love that kind of detail and seeing that kind of thing in a vehicle. So it's actually kind of neat because it still looks like the front end of a truck, mm-hmm. but there's no engine. So yeah. in order for them to make that front compartment into a trunk, frunk they call it, mm-hmm. uh, they had to close it off. So that's a really nice way to do it and still make it look like a truck. Yeah, because I mean, one challenge we have in the studio as a designer, as we're starting to convert over to more electric vehicles, some of the design cues that you would normally see on a car that we've grown to know over years and years and years of designing around air intakes and things for a combustion engine, those are going away. And now... Gives you more space to work with. Yeah, but it's also a challenge because now you have like this blank surface but you still have to make it look like <laughs> a traditional front end yeah so, but yeah. i mean theoretically we could just leave it blank because there right. has no functionality but i think a lot of people you have to do something would be like what is that you know right, you right. got to make it look somewhat I, I think there's a transitional period here where we're going to make electrical vehicles still somewhat look relatable like to the gas vehicle. icu in a way that people are very comfortable with like having that indication of a mm-hmm. Right, because it's not strange to them, and they go, oh, what's that? Yeah. If you still make the electric vehicles look like the gas vehicles, people are more apt to be like, okay, well, that looks like a normal truck. It's just electric. Yeah, because I mean... I think that helps with the transition point. Yeah, if you look at a a Tesla, like a Model 3 or Model S on the front end, they they don't have an indication of a grill. It's just a clean surface. So they kind of went full-on... Electric yeah, full with on it. electric, right? But there if, was no transition. Yeah, but if you're looking at the front end of like an F-150, that's a lot of space it's to leave still, blank. Yeah, it still <laughs> looks like a truck from the front end. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like that would be visually an uncomfortable amount of space to not have something. To not there. have something, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I think they have what I would call like a faux grill, look like grill. It's textured. Um, right. There, there might be a little bit of airflow going in for ventilation, but it's not like a traditional intake grill right, would be. Right, right. Um, the other thing, if you look on the lower front of the fascia here, um, there is a small amount of intake on the bottom. And that is, with electric vehicles, you do need a little bit of airflow coming in. Right, for cooling. For cooling on the, end, or the motor and the battery. But you'll right. notice a lot of it is actually closed off. Um, yeah. They have black plastic in there, so it visually breaks it up and makes it feel like it's more broken up visually mm-hmm. than it mm-hmm. is, but it, it's black plastic because of aerodynamics. Right. Um, with electric vehicles, you're constantly fighting aero because the better your aero count is, the better your range is going to be. Right, and the longer yeah. your battery's going to last. Right? So that's something we constantly are fighting how to make it as aerodynamic as possible, but still Aesthetically look good. pleasing. Because yeah. right. <laughs> if it were up to the wind tunnel, guys... We'd be doing some chopping on these cars, you know, so there's a nice little medium ground we kind of have to hit there. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the other thing you notice on the front fascia, the headlamps are vertical. Yeah, that's a really neat thing. So uh, my interpretation of that is the, the vertical headlamps push way out to the outboard is to give them as much space as possible to open that frunk. To make the trunk, right. To get that width in there so you can load stuff in and out. 
easier. Um, obviously, if you have a horizontal headlamp, it's going to close that space in and make it Yeah, harder. and it's going to make it higher to <laughs> have to put things over. So, yeah, making the headlights vertical is very nice because then it's almost like a regular trunk where you open it up and you got plenty of room. Mm-hmm. But they did, um, the feature light, the signature light, mm -hmm. if you notice, runs all the way across the front. But it's split where it opens. Yeah. So, so I think, I've seen a, a lot of the electric trucks are starting to do this cross car signature Lighting, light. Yeah. And I think it's, you're playing up the width of the vehicle right. when you do that. You're When you draw a line physically, horizontally across the vehicle like that, you're really showing off the width. Right. And making it feel wide and stance like a big truck. So right. It's, it's an a appearance visual thing. trick. Right. Yeah. So as a but designer, that's some of the tricks that we play. Yeah. I mean, it works really well on this vehicle, so. Mm -hmm. And then if you notice, the wheels are actually, I think they're aerodynamic wheels. Yeah, it looks like it. They're a little bit more closed off than a typical spoked wheel. It has a little bit more... Um, Flat face. surface area. Yeah, and that's for aero so that you mm -hmm. don't get as much air tucking into that wheel Turbulence, well and getting right. caught. It, it helps some of the air flow past the wheel well. It gives you a little bit better Which all account. relates to battery life. Yep. So Once again, everything's about getting as much range as you can out of these vehicles. Right. So it, a lot of people visually look at it and don't realize all the little tips and tricks we're playing. Yeah. To make yeah things more aerodynamic. Yeah. And then if you look at the rear of the vehicle, once again, um, just like the front, they push the lighting straight to the outboard corners. Yep, and then they ran that light strip across the mm -hmm. center again. And there's like a break in the middle of it, but the way they did it looks really nice. I'm assuming, it's hard to tell from this photo, but that break in the middle, I see black glossy plastic. I'm assuming that's a camera or a sensor in there. Probably like a backup camera, I, I would bet. I think so, yeah. yeah. It's hard to tell from this photo, but I, I would assume there's a backup camera in that mm -hmm. that section. Which that remains to be seen because they haven't really said. So, yeah, I'm I'm assuming it probably does. I'm I'm gonna assume a, a vehicle of that status. Caliber, You've got a backup right. camera. Right, and it definitely has backup sensors because you can see from the photo they're in the bumper. So mm -hmm. the back bumper's got the this, the uh, backup sensor. So I would imagine it probably has a backup camera too. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing you notice on the rear, um, right on under the top of the tailgate, it kind of flicks back a little right, bit. Right, right, like a, almost like a spoiler. Like type. a little ducktail. Yeah. I'm gonna assume that they did that for arrow. Arrow, right. Um, I don't know for sure that that's their reasoning behind it, but I'm gonna assume that's an arrow. It's definitely aesthetically pleasing. It, it gives it a nice little rake in the back. Mm-hmm. That helps that air coming off the back break. Mm-hmm. And in the wind tunnel, when that breaks off the back. If you can get it to do like a negative pressure. No turbulence, right? It, it just, yeah, it helps with the arrow count so much. Which on these electric vehicles, it's all about arrow, so. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then you can see, uh, well, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see, but if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see uh, some of the images of the frunk. Right. And they're, they're showing off the space that they've got in there. Um, they're really playing up the fact that they've tried to maximize that space. Yeah, and it, it does have quite a bit of room. So mm -hmm. They're showing, like, full-size coolers in there. Yeah, I'm looking at the photo right now. They've got uh, a big, huge cooler in there, a couple of work boxes, big spool of wire. And, and you can see, like in the photo, they've got an example where they've got a uh, cutoff saw and saw horses. they got a cord running over and plugging into the truck. So... You know, construction site, that's where I think a lot of these 
are going to end up being commercial vehicles because of that point you know going to the job site you don't have to haul a generator and a gas can and all this other stuff to run all your tools or you just plug it into your truck so mm -hmm. i can really see how that's going to benefit a lot well and if you think about in a tra traditional internal combustion truck to be able to fit that generator in your truck bed is taking space away right right, right? that's Versus another thing and an electric vehicle being able to incorporate the generator into, into vehicle the vehicle gives you more space right now longevity wise i mean obviously that's something that remains to be seen because these trucks are brand new i'm going interested to see how well they're going to hold up to usage you know yeah if you're using these outlets every single day on a job site you know five six guys are running off all these different cords for saws and you know your air compressor for air nailers and all these other things i just want to remains to be seen basically is how well this battery is going to hold up over time yeah from constant point. drain and recharge drain and recharge but you know nobody really knows that as of yet so right um and then looking at some more images here of the exterior um like rob was saying the tailgate they put a lot of thought into this tailgate right um when it folds down they have a, a ruler built in with areas for clamping off boards if you want to use it as kind of a sawhorse mm -hmm. which a lot of people use their tailgates for I, that. i've used my tailgate on my truck numerous times for that so it's a nice nice feature and then once again the power outlets located in the bed so you can run your power tools back right. there um so or even for the guys that use the battery tools it's a good place to plug in the chargers oh so. yeah that's a good point yeah yeah because you got to recharge the batteries some yep. somewhere somehow yep so some of those things are really well thought out. And then um, I found a really nice image showing the frunk opening and kind of some of the thought process that they put into that. There's a lot of tie downs in there. Um, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. So they really did think about what they were doing. So if you're putting in a, a cooler or a box full of gear in there, you right. can kind of bungee cord it or tie it down. So it's or not supplies rolling or, around yeah. and dumping everywhere. Yeah, denting your... Denting your plastic and everything else yeah so there's there's a lot of thought being put into some of the stuff from the design team and they even if you notice too in this picture they even put grocery hooks so they were thinking ahead of time they put oh i didn't see those yeah they're flip down hooks that will hold like a grocery bag like a plastic grocery bag oh so you can like hook the handle yeah so you can like hook the handle on it and you don't dump all your stuff out which that's a neat feature too so mm -hmm. yeah i didn't see that looks like there's two of them in there no, there's five. They have five of those hooks. Oh, yeah. It's like two in the back, two in the front corners, and one on the driver's side. Mm -hmm. So that's a neat thing. And then, of course, it has the outlets in there and all that stuff, too. Mm -hmm. It looks like the outlets are on the pass side uh, yeah. with a little flip-up door. Yeah, it looks like there's a little access them. door um, protecting them from, I would assume, water entry and stuff like that if yeah. something spilled. But all in all, it's really nice, and it's got a nice uh, all-weather mat in it, so, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like a washable surface if you get it muddy or whatnot. The one thing I am not seeing in here, and being a Jeep driver, <laughs> I, I'm spoiled because with the Jeep, we have the floor plugs that you pull it and oh, rinse it out. Oh, water, right? Yeah, right? So in a compartment like this, if, if you're someone who's, like, saying, doing dirt biking stuff like that and you got muddy Mud. gear yeah. and you're throwing it in there i'm curious 
how cleanable this is from just a practicality standpoint. Right. Is it you have to wipe it down with rags or can you print? I, I would assume with all the electronical parts in there, it's not a pressure wash friendly yeah. environment or even a wash it out with water friendly environment. And that may be why they didn't put the drain plugs in because they don't want the water in there because of all the plugs. I don't know, but that could be, I yeah. would assume. I would assume, though, this mat is probably removable. It's an all-weather mat, so if it's removable, that would eliminate the problem. So, Yeah, or it would make it at least a little bit easier. Right. But so. I'm also looking at this picture, and it looks like there's some kind of floor in this. It's got a, a trim line out to the front where it looks like there might be a compartment under the floor a little bit. I'm going to... I see it. It's a parting line. Yeah. I'm assuming that's probably an access. That's what I'm to thinking. To get to the motor and the junk down below it. That could be All too. your technical, like you would have to get to a regular engine, right? I mm -hmm. mean, at some point you're going to have to service the suspension, the motor. Right. So, that. yeah, I don't know if that's an access port for that or if there's something under there, but Ford really hasn't touched on that. So, yeah, I don't that see remains any. to be seen when the vehicle comes out. Yeah, indication. And looking at um, some of the other images, they've put on a lot of what we call puddle lighting on the exterior. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. So puddle lighting is kind of lighting on the vehicle that shines down on the surrounding ground. So when you're outside at night, you can really see the ground around the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And then they have a lot of additional lighting in the truck bed. And they're showing a guy um, loading or unloading a dirt bike out of the bed. Right. And the ability to see what you're actually doing at night. And I know from personal experience, um, that's very nice at night to be able to see in the bed of your <clears throat> truck uh, and have a nice unobstructed view and lights um, to load things. And I really like the puddle lights on the sides. You know, it kind of lights up the whole area around the truck. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're out in the middle of a field or something, um, working or doing something i can see like construction site that would be great too um yeah it looks like they have a light underneath the mirrors like the rearview mirrors on the side yeah that that kind of like, uh that's kind broadcast of the down and then it looks like there's a second set of lights right where the bed and body meet yeah like on the bottom or something yeah those are shining down then you've got looks like two overheads in the back of the bed between or on either side of the third brake light and then it looks like they've got some puddle lights in the actual bed in the back two corners that light up the bed so mm -hmm. and underneath the tailgate it looks like there's something too it doesn't really show but there's definitely yeah. a lot of lighting on this vehicle well, yeah which i'm surprised an electric vehicle you know because you have to think about conserving your energy um i'm curious how that would impact it long term yeah. i don't know i mean of course they're going to be led so yeah. you're talking about a very minute power um pole but still yeah everything adds up so yeah and then uh starting to look at some of the images of the interior here um it's very traditional Ford truck interior styling. They have mm -hmm. a very kind of chiseled trapezoidal design language that they use a lot on their interiors. Right. Um, the big feature, I think, is the big 15 and a half inch screen. Yeah, that they're it kind of sticks out there, right? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like an iPad mounted to your dashboard. Basically. <laughs> but, uh, Which I'm, is kind of a Tesla thing, but... Yeah, uh, but I think, it, I mean, Tesla's kind of set that precedent, but 
now because everything's going electric, all the all the companies are starting to go that direction. Well, yeah, right? and and they also need that for all the systems in the vehicle. They need some way to monitor things, adjust things, mm-hmm. you know. And it can't be like the traditional car where you know it had a regular ECU controlling the engine and all that, and you didn't need to monitor what was going on because you've got a check engine light. Well. In an electric vehicle, things are completely different. You don't have a check engine light. So, well, I'm sure, it, I mean, it alerts you in a different way. Right. Yeah. So, they need this for that to alert it in all the systems so they can monitor and talk to each other. And, they, and I like how they brought it to a uh, basically a central location. So, everything is right there. Yeah, that's a good point. So, the driver and the passenger can equally access it. Right. If you need to get in there. And I mean, looking at, um, the dashboard, which in the industry we consider it what we call an IP, which, which is instrument panel. Right. Um, most vehicle interiors, you're going to see a lot of buttons, right? You've got your Yeah, AC, this is real clean. You've got your AC, your radio, whatever, all your little buttons. So they've actually taken a lot of that functionality and put it into the screen yeah. and made it electronic menus in the screen to get rid of a lot of those buttons. Yeah, and it cleans up the dash quite a bit. It, it cleans up visually um it also from an engineering standpoint makes things more simple Mm -hmm. for manufacturing you don't have as many bits and pieces and stuff that you have to track down in the factory and make sure it goes in correctly right and not just manufacturing on the repair end of it too i know you know me being the repair end of the spectrum i can see how this is definitely going to be a lot nicer to work on because you don't have you know, seven or ten switches on the dash that you've got to unplug or fight with to get the dash apart and stuff like that. Oh, that's a good point. But yeah, my so question, serviceability, it's going to be a lot nicer. Unless there's something wrong with the screen. Then. Well, that's the thing. But I <laughs> yeah. mean, yeah. But I'm going to assume that basically the screen is like a small computer, so it's probably going to be one of those plug-and-play things where if something goes wrong with the screen, then you replace the whole screen. So uh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be repairable. It's probably going to be a replacement part or software downloads and things like that. Which, I mean, that's a good point because from the point that you brought up earlier about long-term lifespan of the vehicle, right? if your screen goes out, that's probably going to be a pretty pricey fix. Uh, well, yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, because it, from way they looks like they get this truck set up, that screen is basically your center hub. So mm-hmm. I would assume that everything probably goes through that. That's probably what runs the truck is that screen. It's probably just basically a mini computer. So, right. yeah, if you've got problems with that, then, you know, I'm sure they're going to have bugs right out of the gate. You know, yeah. all all new cars always have bugs, but I'm sure there's going to be software downloads and things like that where they can, you know, quite easily resolve issues. Like push updates. Yeah, yeah. updates, things like that. And I, I don't know much about this system, but I'm going to assume it's got Bluetooth capability, I'm sure. So oh, yeah. I don't know whether the updates are going to be like an online thing where you can just update from the truck or if it's actually going to have to go to the dealership and, you know, be plugged in and updated that way. So, yeah, I mean, Tesla does what they call over the air updates, right? Right. Where it's connected to the network and they automatically do it. So yeah, that's a, that's a nice thing too, because it saves you a trip to the dealership. So, yeah. 
Um, the other thing on the screen that I noticed from a design standpoint is there's actually a functional dial on the surface yeah, of the screen. Yeah, that's kind of a neat little thing. Uh, which is really, from a design standpoint, an interesting detail. There's actually, it looks like um, a knurled knob. Like a knob, right. That you can turn right, left or right. Yeah. And in, in the image they're showing, it shows volume. Yeah. So you can turn it like regular volume, but I would assume it probably does multifunctional things. I would things. think it probably has also capability for your HVAC system, for your heating and air conditioning. It's probably like a fan speed type thing. But I really do like how they incorporated it into the screen. You know, that couldn't have been an easy task, so. No, um, from a design standpoint, I'm gonna tell you that's probably a very expensive feature. Yeah. To, to have put Something in. like yeah. that, yeah, because that's not simple. I mean, they had to actually mold the screen around it, so. Um, maybe not. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. It might be. I'm not sure how they did in that. In either but. case, it adds like a nice 3D feature to it instead of just having a flat screen. So. Yeah. And there are some buttons at the bottom of that monitor I see too. Um, a few. Yeah. Little, four little buttons. I'm not sure exactly what those are, but. So they do have a few things. And then you can see like right to the right of it, you've got uh, right there's another 110 volt plug. Right above that, the 12 volt plug. So there is quite a lot of power ports on this vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're really playing that aspect of it mm -hmm. up. Yeah, I, like I said, I think the top of the line EV is geared more towards commercial. Contractors, plumbers, electricians, you know, the self-employed guys who basically work out of their truck. So, mm -hmm. so overall, uh, what is your opinion now going through all of this and looking it over? How do you feel about this I mean, Anybody who knows me knows I'm not really a Ford guy, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a Mopar guy. But I really do like this truck. I like the way it looks. I like all of its creature comforts. I like the usability for sure. I can see a lot of good uses in this truck. So I, I would say all in all, I, I really do like it. I think it's a good design. It's a good setup. Yeah, I agree. I think they did a pretty nice job overall with the design aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, I have a few questions and things I think remain to be seen when we actually get the vehicle in our hands and see interacting right. I mean, with it. Until they actually hit production and start popping them out, we're not going to know some of the questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they're still working on the bugs themselves, too. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see longevity-wise how it holds up. That's a great point from the maintenance standpoint because you're, you're seeing standpoint. these vehicles come in you know after a few years of wear and tear on them right and, and the thing is too yes you don't have an engine so you know they're really playing on that point well there's less maintenance and that is true um but you're still going to have things that they can't get away from like brakes tires you know suspension parts so there's still going to be some wear items and it's going to remain to be seen how that holds up but um Maintenance, maintenance wise, yeah, it's going to be a lot better because you, you know, you don't have to do oil changes, you don't have to do coolant flushes, you don't have to do any of that stuff. So, I'm also curious, building off of what you just said with the maintenance and the wear parts, I, I haven't seen any figures for the actual weight of the vehicle. I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna assume how heavy is it? With yeah. a battery pack, you're looking at a pretty heavy vehicle. Yeah, I would imagine it's probably as heavy as a gas truck, if not heavier. Right. So, so if it's heavier, you know, you're gonna. I'm going to assume wear through brakes faster, tires, tires yeah. faster, possibly. That's a big assumption. I don't know 
you know, I'm just kind of right. burning and, out and, there. But And here's another thing, upgradably wise, I'm kind of curious whether this truck is going to be able to be upgradable as in can you change the tires do you have to stay with a certain kind of tire for no. for the battery life you know because a lot of these evs have special tires that keep the aerodynamics better because they don't you know they're designed to cut the air to so really maximize that yeah. maxi right so now, from a construction standpoint, if somebody's going to buy this truck like a contractor, they're going to want a tire that's got a little meat on it. Yeah, because, a you good know, knobby tread. They deal in a muddy situation constantly. So is this truck capable of putting that kind of tire on it if you want? You know, th these are all things that are just kind of have to be weight. But I can see from the one picture, the tires that they do come with have a little bit of regular truck type tread. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's going to be something that can be changed out. So there remains to be seen a lot of things. Yeah. So we'll have to wait till uh, spring of 2022. And, and, and then we'll try to do another review. Try to get our hands on out. it and see, see what it see really what comes do. down to. So. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, great. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. If you guys have any questions, um, please leave them in the comments down below if you're on YouTube. Uh, we'd like to have more discussion about this vehicle and, you know, let's get a discussion going. If you happen to be following us on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It means a lot to us to get our community growing as we get this podcast off the ground. And you can also follow us on all of the podcasting platforms, including Stitcher um, and things like that. So if you are interested in finding us on the podcasting platforms, go to sketchandwrench.com. And you can see all of the links up there for where we are listed. So thank you again. All right, guys. Well, I guess we're going to wrap it up for this uh, episode. And we will talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.